and everybody has it back again. Don't take no mess at the rose garden. Jesus, they're on fire. They're what we desire. The men in black can handle it. Other teams can scrapple it. How they win that game today? There's just one thing you can say. How does Scotty shoot that three? Believe it, it ain't easy. How did Brian jump so sweet? Believe it, it ain't easy. It's the flying dot that's in your lap. What this, I think, is also going to do is, uh, you know, I'm not, I, to be clear, uh, you know, I have to, since I'm a beat writer that covers the team, I have to do the, I'm just saying stuff. I'm not reporting anything. Don't aggregate this. Like the Brian, the Brian, the Brian Windhorse, <laughs> the Windhorse. aggregators thing. Yeah, yeah exactly. Right. Having Gary Payton available and able to take some of these minutes whether it be Josh Hart or Justice Winslow or whoever, with you know the trade deadlines about a month from now, it certainly makes some of this, some of these other pieces, a lot more expendable when it comes to you know what Joe has said about wanting to balance the roster, mm-hmm. wouldn't it? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I was thinking about this today. Like Jabari's minutes are getting up. Oh They're yeah, increasing Jabari. He's looking good. Kind of a small ball five role. Um, you know, I know Drew's limited to what he is but he's been good for him for what he's his role fine. has been yeah um i more wonder like how the trade deadline stuff and we assume they're going to be really active they've got some i think they've got some pieces they've created i think more assets for themselves than where they were originally but um i don't know how you balance jabari shaden gary back now justice josh with what you're going to do in the trade deadline. And I, I wonder how much of Chauncey and Joe kind of talking behind the scenes, how much that's going to determine what we see minutes wise. You know, if we get closer to what's the trade deadline, Sean, is it February 9th? 9th. Let's say we get to the end of January, early February. Well, if Josh's minutes are going down, I, <laughs> I kind of think we see the writing on the wall, of that situation. I think a lot of it's just going to depend on what Chauncey's doing with minutes and if you see some of those minutes change and fluctuate to a point where you haven't seen them, I think it's going to be pretty telling that something is on the horizon. What we do know is not Dame, not Ant, not Shaden, probably not Jabari, and not GP or Jeremy. So there's right. your six. Right after that, I, I think it's all kind of uh, up in the air and, and wild card given what the market's going to be for for what they're looking at because we assume, right. It's a safe assumption. I'll ask you, you're the reporter safe assumption. They're looking ideally for a three, but we don't know what threes are going to be available. I think the idea would still, I mean, yes, but I also think that they all, they know that the starting and I know Nurk has been better lately, Mm -hmm. but I still think that this five spot is the one that they would ideally like to upgrade but again we don't know who's gonna be like everything is here's the thing i've asked around like everything's quiet right now if if there's not really a lot of like trade rumors being reported right now that's not because we're all sitting on stuff that we know that we just don't want to share i was at the g league showcase last week in vegas where like a lot of nba personnel are and like gms and stuff and i was asking around like what are people talking about like who's like who's getting you know who's on the block you know who's available 
there's nothing right now. And this is another thing that is kind of, you know, something else I want to kind of get into with you as somebody who, you know, also, you know, watches like me, you know, is focused on this team, but also kind of watches the whole league and knows what's going on. We're still in a place where everything is so jumbled together with the standings that no teams, even like a team like Indiana, like I think everybody just assumed like, yeah, Indiana is going to trade Miles Turner at the deadline, but they're in sixth right now in the East. They might just, you know, ride this out. They've been a lot better than expected. Mm-hmm. Like every single team, except like, there's a handful of teams like, you know, the Detroits and San Antonio's and Houston's and the teams that are like, we know what they're doing. Every other team pretty much can talk themselves into, we just have one good week and we're up to third in our conference. Like, right, like just just this past couple of weeks, like, Phoenix was a team that looked like they were just running away with the conference, and they've been in tailspin since Devin Booker got hurt, and he's going to be out for another few weeks. Uh, New Orleans has been looking like they're running, like they're really separating themselves as one of the top teams in the West, and they just announced yesterday that Zion Williamson is out mm-hmm. at least a few weeks with a hamstring thing. Like, you know, Denver has been awesome lately, and Jokic has been incredible, but they still have, like, you know, Murray's been in and out of the lineup. They still have some kind of depth issues. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, Memphis has had guys in it. Like, everybody, like, the West is still wide open enough that none of these teams are really thinking, oh, we're out of it. We're just going to sell off our pieces. And so nobody really knows who's available. And I don't th- I don't even know how much of it's going to get figured out by the deadline. I mean, some of it kind of has to because teams are going to have to make decisions about these guys one way or the other. But everything is so up in the air right now. There's not really... Even in the East, like, we, you know, you asked me a month ago, I would say, you know, it's clearly just Boston and Milwaukee and then a huge gap and everybody and then everybody else. Well, you know, Boston slipped a little bit. Brooklyn is coming on, you know. Cleveland. Philly's a game out of fourth. Yeah, yeah Cleveland is, Cleveland's been good. Like, everything mm-hmm. is just so, like, nobody really knows who the good teams are and who just the okay teams are. Everybody is, like, everybody's one good week away from being in the top four and everybody's one bad week away from being in the play-in. Do you, th- yeah, I, yeah, I think that's a good point is, and also, you know, I, I know when Banyama and, and Scoot Henderson are right, there's GMs salivating over the idea of having them, right? Greg Popovich, I've said this before. There's not, there's nobody more excited to have Victor Win Banyama on their team than Greg Popovich. Dude loves international bigs and he gets one that's like a cheat code. He's seven, four and can dribble and shoot. He also the, has like a connection because the, he, he played on the team in the French League that Tony Parker is like a part of. Right, so. right. I mean, there's, that's Mr. International right there and Greg Pop. Uh, but I wonder, do you think right now of the two teams, let's just stick in the West, right? Do you think there's two teams, other teams like Portland and uh, Memphis or Dallas or any contender playoff team that wants to make the playoffs that you would label? Are there two teams more that people are keeping an eye on and going, oh, oh, that situation's not going well than Utah? Because we know that they have assets that they probably want to sell off because Danny doesn't want to win with his group. Or Minnesota with Cat. Because I, I don't know what that situation is in Minnesota. That I couldn't have been more wrong. On I was team. wrong too. I was, I, I was, I, I liked, I, I wrote I this. I loved it. This I was one it. of the last pieces that I wrote for BR before, you know, my time there ended, right? When that yeah. trade happened. I wrote that I like it when teams actually try to take a swing and, you know, try to move up. And mm-hmm. I thought on paper the Gobert Towns thing would be a perfect fit because they cover up for each other's weaknesses kind of at both ends of the floor. It's yeah. just that you know, like the mix of personalities just hasn't been yeah. good. I actually, I just had Chris Hine of the Minneapolis Star Tribune on the show. Good guy. Good uh, reporter. Chris is great. Yeah, but I yeah. Had just had him on a few weeks ago when they had the two games here against the Timberwolves, and we talked about a lot of this stuff. But 
that you and I, I think we're both on the same page about that. I think that it's much more likely that Utah goes into sell mode than Minnesota does. Mm -hmm. Because like you said, I think like Utah came into the season thinking, you know, they had just traded Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell for, you know, a million draft picks and, everybody kind of expected them right now to be where the Houston and San Antonio and Oklahoma city tier mm -hmm. of the West was. And then they st had the start to the season that they had and people were like, Oh no, are the jazz actually good? But now they've, now they've kind of started to come back down to earth a little bit. They're in 10th right now in the West and they're kind of on the bubble of, you know, falling out of the play in. And so in a couple weeks, if, uh, you know, if, if, if they continue to slide or, you know, let's say like the Wolves or the Lakers or something, like one of those teams overtakes them in the in the 10th spot, then I think Danny might be like, okay, you know, this was this was a fun start. People are feeling good about the future. Let's, you know, let's, let's, let's pull the plug on this. I think that's much more likely than uh, Minnesota already right now, less than half a season into just going all in on the Gobert Towns uh, Anthony Edwards thing, the, the just one... already saying, "Yeah, let, this is right. Let's give up." It, I don't think. I don't. I think. I think the soonest that would happen with Towns would be this off season. Sure, that, it's entirely possible. I saw a thing right before I hopped on with you that Russell, I guess, retweeted some cryptic thing and then unfollowed the team on I Instagram. And I'm just like, <laughs> yeah, oh, I God. saw that. I, lo I always, I always love it when we do this. The I do too. It's following who on, and you know, the thing is, you know, that like a lot of players do this stuff intentionally just because they know that everything he's going to scrutinize gonna everything. Deal. So they'll do with do this kind of stuff just like to to mess with people. I remember uh, over the, uh, you know, like right after Game Seven of the Phoenix Dallas uh series there was a some tweet that was like deandre ayton needs to get out of uh get, get out of phoenix and go join dame in portland and dame liked the tweet and that was like a whole <laughs> news cycle for a day the phoenix is another one that's kind of interesting to me because they like i i mean they uh, they looked awesome the first month of the season and then yeah you know chris paul was out for a while now he's back but he's not he's looking he's now finally looking like father time is catching up. he's looking him. like yeah, yeah he's he's looking like that's kind of starting to you know he started the decline that people thought was going to happen for the last couple of years that didn't now finally is and now booker is out for a while and they've been losing lately and you know i still don't think the vibes are great with monty williams and DeAndre. the aim thing is worn out to me yeah. like they, they've been caught I think two or three times I've seen they've been on yeah. the bench yelling at each other. They didn't want to keep him anyway. They no. they matched him. They, they they matched the offer sheet because Indy signed him to that offer sheet, and they just didn't want to lose him for nothing. But like everybody knows. But here, did you see the story that Wendy had yesterday about uh, how even though he's technically suspended for a year, Robert Sarver still has veto power over a lot yes, of trades. Over the trade on 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 Aiton and what he's gonna do. Like I I'll bet Sarver vetoes any eight and trade even though he has already agreed to sell the team which you know in that situation like i get it but i wish silver would step in and be like dude no you're gonna well, allow them to make but trades legally he legally i don't know how much they can do though that's but that's, that's that, something that because that i mean uh, again i'm not reporting anything new here no we're just spitballing the well no but the blazers did and this has been out there they did kick the tires on eight in the spring when it seemed like there was no way he was possibly going to go back to Phoenix. Like they talked about it 
and it just was not possible at the time because there was just too much weird stuff that had to happen with the salary cap and like the sign and trade stuff in order to make the money work but if he were to be truly available at the deadline i would imagine that that would be something that portland would be interested in revisiting just because joe's entire philosophy has been we want to take the highest upside swing imaginable and you know a 23 year old former number one pick who actually looked really good and it's just it's just maybe like a it it could be like another Nurkic situation in Denver where he was just in a situation that had run its course and then he gets somewhere else and is and he's a lot better like that's a bet that I could see them making it's just Mm -hmm. now a matter of you know if that were to be on the table with this extra wrinkle of the Robert Sarver thing like and, and him having veto power and you have to also keep in mind that one of the primary reasons that they drafted Aiton and not Luca. Remember, they hired Luca's coach from Slovenia as their coach, Igor Kokoshkov, and then didn't draft him. And part of why they didn't draft him was because Robert Sarver is a huge U of A booster. Yeah, think about idiotic moves. Like that's one of the all-time stupidest. I mean, that also. I mean, Aiton, the thing is, Aiton was really Aiton's really he good, was. and he was, and he, you know, he was really good in the finals against uh, Milwaukee, and he was really good up until game. Like he was really good all last year, and then you know, up until that game seven of the of the Dallas series, he was really like. It's not like they. It's not like you know the the, the one that's really indefensible is you know Sacramento taking Marvin Bagley at two instead of Luka. especially like, when. Yeah, Vladi knew Luca. He knew of Luca for years. Well, what and- I actually heard about that is that, and this oh, is on. this is going to be the most Kings thing imaginable. What I've heard about that is that Vlade was self conscious about being pigeonholed as like, of course he took the Euro guy, and so he kind of outsmarted himself, and that's why he didn't take. Uh, that's ridiculous. You I know it is, but I- that's why the Kings are the Kings. The Kings are another team that's like a, a real good vibes team so far. They're this fun. Year. They're yeah, fun. I, I, that game last night against uh, Utah, that was a fun game to watch. Fox is having a great year. Yeah, that was awesome. Can I can I go back to, to uh, two things? So totally. you and I both agreed on Minnesota. Yes. The one caveat I always said on that was, like, I understand why people don't like that. It's a lot of assets to give for a dude who's not offensively gifted. Right. The one thing that was the saving grace for Minnesota, that could be end up being a bad deal. But you've got four assets if you ever wanted to trade move and you return some of the haul that you just gave up if you moved cat you'd get a decent return if you move russell there's gonna be a team that gives you something for him and so it's it's like an easy tradable fixable thing mm-hmm. if you trust the right people in charge the one team in the east i want to point to because portland's been in this same situation yeah and you get two schools of thought in portland blow it up and tank or culture and playoffs matter for an organization I still think Indiana could end up selling on Miles Turner because they're still going with the young thing. Halliburton's having a good stint there right now. Uh, Matherin's been a great rookie for them. I still wouldn't be surprised if they traded Miles Turner for assets to desperate teams because, oh, by the way, Miles Turner's going to be a free agent this summer. And even with the subtraction of Turner, Sean, I still look at the East. I see Atlanta. Uh, Nate might walk away. The Wizards, you don't trust on a consistent basis. The Knicks are the Knicks, and the Heat might there's be uh, five. There's five teams in the East that we know are good. Yes. Milwaukee, Boston, Brooklyn, Philly, Cleveland. Yes, That's and I, I still think Matherin with Halliburton and whatever you got in return of that. I, I still think that's a team that could get to a play-in and still get balance of we can still build while we still build a culture. And that's not an easy thing to do, but Portland rode that line for years, 
And so I don't look at Indiana and completely X them out of, of still, you know, potentially trading a Miles right. Turner given everything that they have going forward. Oh, yeah. And I've, I ever since the, uh, the reports started to come out that, oh, you know, they might do an extension with Miles Turner. Like they've, they've opened negotiations. I, I was always just like, yeah, OK, cool. Like, I'm, like it's, <laughs> it's nice. It's nice that they're putting that out there for leverage. Right. So the teams will offer more like you got to really blow us away on this offer from this guy that we don't want to re- that we you know, we we uh, we love him so much. We view him as such a long term part of the core that we signed DeAndre Ayton to this offer sheet. Then we were going to pay him the max before they matched it. Like, <laughs> yeah, I I mean, it's also just like I mean, the, the, the Toronto piece is the other one that I think yeah. is really, you know, and this is something that I because I, I know that Portland had, you know, back in June, they were pursuing OG pretty heavily. And mm-hmm. I I think that if that were to come back into play, that would be something that Joe would be interested in revisiting. But I would guess this is not sourced. This is just my own kind of guess that I don't like, I think Masai is going to try to, you know, get something for Van Bleed and get something for Gary Trent now. And if he's going to do anything with OG or Siakam, that would be more of an off season thing than mm-hmm. a, at the deadline thing. Well, it's it's hard to want to trade six eight six eight six ten. What's Scotty Barnes six nine six? Well, Scotty like, Barnes is the guy that I think is just like if if they do really pivot away, it's going to be to get you know younger guys that are on his timeline. Like that, yeah, that's, no, I yeah I agree. I'm just saying like I think from Masai Van Vliet being not as great this year, Gary Trent being an at like I just think it it's a little easier to part with the yeah. six three six four six five six two guys. Than it is your six eight hyper athletic switchable athletes that you have. So Masai's got his pick of the litter. Toronto is an interesting one, no doubt. Uh, you know how much they've played together health wise has not been quite what people think. They haven't played every game together as a healthy unit, but also still not having the season they want. Miami, I can't stop thinking about what is Miami doing. I that one feels weird. Lowry hasn't been quite what they wanted. Duncan is kind of played his way to the bench. Max Struess has taken a spot. Now Max Struess can't make a shot. So it's like, I, I, I don't know what Miami's going to do, but you assume with Pat Riley, they're always looking to buy to, to yeah. try to win now. So there's there's assets to be had out there. It's just going to be a matter of what works for them financially. We know they're going to be in the tax next year. And what does Joe look at when he sees this team? I think if, if, if any one of us gets to talk to him uh, anytime, you know, close to the deadline, if not after, I think it's going to be, when you looked at this roster, what did you see and what did you identify as, ah, this works for us. This works for us for this year. Get back to the playoffs. Maybe make a little bit of noise and then see what you can do in the offseason. Yeah, and I think that's been the plan the whole time. Like They've been very transparent about like, they aren't viewing this year as like the be all end all. Like they would, no. you know, they would like to, I haven't even like, they haven't even explicitly said, I mean, obviously for Dame it is, but like for, for Joe and for Chauncey, they haven't even explicitly said like, we're looking at the not if we don't make the playoffs, it'll be a failure. Like they have, they aren't even putting those expectations on it. Now I think they are going to be in the playoffs. I think as I think they are going to end up being good enough, especially because they have an easy part of their schedule coming up. I do think that they're a playoff team, but they're looking at this year entirely as a bridge year and an evaluation year. And I think what they know now, this is basically, and I wrote a piece about this a few days ago, but. What they do here's what I think what we do know now is Dame is Dame again. Like he's like back, he's back from the injury. He's he's still Dame. Simons is you know made the leap into being that second scorer and he's 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 legit and he's worth the contract. Jeremy Grant has been awesome. He's been like as perfect a fit as everybody 
you know thought it was going to be and then like Shaden Sharp is also like he he's still kind of figuring it out as a rookie which you know you expect but they you know it's obvious like the upside is there and the talent is there and he's going to be good long term he may, it may not be this year but he's going to be good long term that's kind of what we know right now. Everything else is just like, mm-hmm. you know, how do this sort of guy just feel? Like, is Nurk the long-term guy? I would be inclined to say I don't think they think he is, but, like, hey, that's still he's actually still been pretty good lately, so that's kind of a question. And, like, Josh Hart has been so important, but, you know, they've got to pay him after they also pay Jeremy. So, like, are they going to be able to do that? Are they going to, you know, or are they going to move him? Like, like where, you know, where does Nasir Little fit into all of this? Who they just signed to that extension that's, like, a pretty team-friendly like, – there's just so much other stuff besides like we know about Dame Ant Jeremy and we think we know what they think Shade and Sharp is going to be long term, but everything else is just like well, yeah, I don't know. yeah. I, I think Joe's given himself some real flexibility with the situation. Uh, by the way, I I know he's hurt. I know he's been out for some time, and it's you hate saying it because he's such a nice dude, but like injury prone, understandable. I think the contract is for Nas something that teams, oh yeah, you want you want to give us the six eight guy to match salary for whatever thing you want to end up doing. Well, he's hard to trade at the deadline this year because of the poison pill thing. Oh, touche! I forgot about that. He, well, because remember, and for those of the people who don't know how this works, and I had a big I had a big piece about this a few weeks ago, just about yeah. all their different trade assets. So go to shameless plug alert on my own podcast, RoseGardenReport.com. <laughs> go check that out. Sign up for a paid subscription to read yes. this. But uh, when you're in the final year of your rookie deal and you have a rookie extension that you signed that doesn't kick in until next year, when you trade that contract, and this is a lot harder. This is why, like, once the Knicks signed R.J. Barrett to that extension, then it became, like, basically hard—not impossible, but really, really difficult to include him in a trade for Donovan Mitchell, which is part of why that ended up not happening, but— on a smaller scale, the way that that's gonna that would work with Nas is right now his the final year of his rookie scale deal is like four million or something, and his per year amount on his next deal is seven. It's it's like and and the the way that those the way that it, it's called like a po- it's called the poison pill provision, where when you're sending out salary. For the team that you're, I think the simplest way to explain it is that if you're trading away a player with that, you know, contract situation, for the team that is taking that player, his salary counts for trade matching purposes as the average of all five years. So, oh, but so you take the four with the seven, and it's like a different number. It's some, something okay. like that, yeah. But okay. that's only for the team that's that's taking on that salary for the blazers they would still only be able to count it as the four million that he's making this year oh, so you'd have okay, to okay. you'd have to basically trade out you, you basically in order to match salary you could only trade him for like a four million dollar it, gotcha. it's it's i don't think they're gonna trade him at the deadline both because it, it's hard to with the poison pill thing but also because i mean as much as he has had all these injuries they gave him that extension because they do view him as somebody they'd like to keep around and somebody who is still young enough and they feel, you know, mentality wise is a part of what they want to do. And I, and you know, the way that the kind of player that he is and like, I, I think he's somebody that they're not like actively looking to move and that they would like to keep around. I, but I, I think, I think it's unlikely he gets moved just because of like how complicated the cap math is with the contract stuff. Gotcha. No, I, I, that makes sense. I, I still think, I mean, it. you you have what? 
four guys then? And by the way, I hope that they sign Jeremy Grant when they can sign him. I know he probably won't I do that. But, think uh, that's going to happen. I don't know if it's going to happen on January 7th. But I, I just don't want him. I don't want him in the market. <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. I, don't I, think, I, I, I think if if he uh, – I would guess – I haven't actually talked to Joe about this, so I don't know what the actual plan is. I would guess that sometime before July 1st, they do get that extension done. But even if they don't, I think it's going to be like a Ant-style 1201 on July 1st. Like, it's Woj a done tweets deal, out, Jeremy yeah. Grant has agreed to. Like, he's not going to even get to the point of talking to other teams. They didn't, they didn't trade for him. You know, Dame spent a year and a half trying to get him to Portland after playing with him at the Olympics. And then they traded for him, and he's been this perfect. They didn't do that to not re-sign him. So it's, I, I know, one yeah. way or the other, it's going to happen. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be no. worried about that. Well, I'm. I'm just excited he's having an All Star season. He is. Oh yeah. Outside of you know Ant kind of living up to what the role was expected to be, Shaden playing more and and showing us like what Schmitz and Cronin and company thought of him. I, Jeremy's been this story for me. Like mm-hmm. Dame coming back and being healthy is great and breaking the record and all that. But like Jeremy to me has been the story of the season. Such a pleasant surprise for them. Finally going to – it looks like, you know, God willing, knock on wood, he stays healthy. It it feels like he's really kind of destined as one of those coaches' picks to be an NBA All-Star. I just don't know how Portland sits where they sit and you play him and he's getting you 23 a night and, like, having that kind of level of production. He matters defensively for them. I, I don't know how he's not at this point. Uh, and so just them making that move – and getting a player like that, I know he's not like some superstar player, but getting a player of that caliber next to Dame, uh-huh. it's a it's a four Dame's never played with. So uh, I, I'm just glad that he's an all star and that he appears to be pretty happy playing alongside Dame and, and being in Portland. Well, we'll see if he's actually an all star. The problem is there's just so many. I, I know. Do you like, think? Would you bet that he would be? Depends on where they are in the standings when they vote, because. Mm. Like, they're talking about Aaron Gordon right now as an all-star, which, you know, you could argue that Jeremy has had as good or better of a season as Aaron Gordon, but Denver's the one seed right now, and Portland's at seven, and usually a team that's, unless it's, like, two name guys like LeBron James and Anthony Davis, which is, you know, I I don't think that's going to happen this year because AD's missed so much. You know what what I mean, though, unless it's two guys that on name ID alone are always going to be all-stars. Not too many teams that are seventh in their conference are going to have more than one All Star. It's pretty much a lock that Dame's going to be there. But I just yeah. I don't. If they're in the top four by the time by like mid January, whenever they coaches have to submit their votes, like I think there's a chance. But it's going to be uh, to me, it's going to depend entirely on where he is, where they where say. They are. Yeah. yeah. One last time, I'll let you go soon. But uh, you, you mentioned this earlier. You and I. This is a debate that you and I had over the summer, where. I thought, and I, I've already been proven fully wrong about this, that it was going to take most of the year for Shaden Sharp to even get in the rotation at all, just because most rookies aren't ready to play on teams that are actually trying to win and aren't rebuilding. And you were saying you really just thought, like, oh, no, he's going to get playing time. He's too talented not to. Obviously, that's been the case since opening night. He's been in the rotation every night. He started to get, like, Chauncey has started to pull back a little bit. Like, there have been times that he didn't have a good first half. He's not going to play him in the second half. As somebody who was a huge proponent early on of giving him minutes and letting him play through mistakes, even though the team is trying to win, where how are you feeling about Shaden Sharp right now? Well, a broken clock is, is right twice a day, okay? <laughs> right, so yeah. if we're to talk basketball, you talk circles around me. That being said, I, I'm happy that in that kind of conversation, I was right. Um, 
the minutes have reduced. I'd have to go check the last time. I think it was just prior to Detroit. I looked it up. He's playing six less minutes than when he did when they started the season. So Chauncey has kind of brought the reins back a little bit and said, yo, like he, he's, he's a little bit of a liability defensively. He kind of loses his guy way too often. I can't tell you how many times I see his hair moving because he's looking for his guy. Uh-huh. He, he's got some flaws. There's no doubt. I, I think a big part for him, Sean, is physically. Uh-huh. He's got the tools. He can leap. He's a good athlete. If they can get that body 15 pounds of muscle, I, I think it's going to be something that's going to pay big dividends for them long term. I, I haven't changed much. I, I see what everybody sees, but I see the upside. I see the shot-making ability. I love that he can stretch the floor. Um, he's not he's not getting over his skis in, in, in the – in the way that like he's not a rookie getting the ball and instantly going and looking for his, you know, people have noted how he drifts off and he kind of plays the the low wing to corner. I like it. And also, by the way, he's, he's a cutter. They, they haven't had a lot of super hyper athletic guys that know how to move without the basketball. I'm more used to the Mo Harklesses who just kind of stand and wait. And while he does show that from time to time, I think watching him move without the basketball get him familiar with that role, and then also just continuing to kind of show some trust. And I know that, again, they've pulled some of the minutes back, but uh-huh. I haven't wavered. I, I I can see what people see, but y- you need this guy. Like, if this is going to be something you seriously think you can win and contend with, guess what you're going to need, Sean? In this league, you're going to need the 6'5", hyper-athletic guy who's big enough to guard maybe three positions out there for you from time to time. And so far, I think he has shown you that he can. It's just going to be a matter of continuing to teach him on defense and letting him get through slumps. He had a great start, and then he went through a shooting slump. And then he's just kind of been hot and cold, hot and cold. I like what I saw in Detroit. We'll see. I, again, people might listen to this the night of, the, di- the night after. We'll see what he does against Minnesota. But I so far, I haven't wavered a minute. I, I think him getting these minutes is very valuable to the long-term success of what they're kind of aiming to do here. I don't disagree with you. I'm just more curious where he's going to end up. One, let, let's assume they make the playoffs, whether it's outright as a top six seed or out of the play. And let's assume they're in a playoff series against, like, I don't know, Denver, Memphis, New Orleans, right. or whatever. And at that point, there's no more development. You know, let, give this guy some developmental minutes and let him play through mistakes. Then it becomes about, like, we have to do whatever we can to win four out of these next seven games that we're, that we're playing. I'm very curious by that point how comfortable Chauncey's going to be uh, putting, giving him minutes consistently in the playoffs. I, 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 I know what you're saying about the development, and I'm kind of twisting it a little bit here. I still uh-huh. think there's incredible development done for a young player who gets to play in a high-leverage situation. Yeah. And in that way, I hope his minutes still exist in some capacity. I'm with you, though, because here's the, the one – I wouldn't say downside. I think it could be a positive. The one aspect of Chauncey as a coach is he played. And he played high-level basketball and won a championship. Damn near won two championships as a player. He's not going to say, I got to play my rookie 15 minutes tonight. When it comes to a playoff, even if you think they're dead in the water against whoever they would take on in that first-round matchup, Chauncey's not going to sacrifice playing somebody who works better strategically and play Shaden in front of him. I think he'll still get him. 8 to 12, but it's going to be really on Shaden how many minutes he gets because when Chauncey gets to the playoffs, when Dame gets to the playoffs, Ant, uh, you know, Jeremy, whoever else, no, th- this team isn't going to be, hey, we need to bring the rookie along even if he's not playing well. It's going to be 
how do we beat the Clippers? How do we beat the Nuggets? How do we match up against Luka and the Mavs or whoever that is sitting in that position that they play? So it's unfortunate for me as a Shaden, you know, baby Kobe guy, but I understand <laughs> that if they get to the playoffs, Sean, that he's he's probably going to lose some minutes because Chauncey's Chauncey's been there. He understands it, and and Dame's really going to want to make a statement in round one. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think you're probably right about that, Brandon. I I've got I have kept you for an hour. I'm gonna let you go now but this is this has been great everybody you guys if you're listening to this you probably already know what it is uh jack ramsey's with danny Morang, also a friend of the program on all the podcast platforms youtube uh dirt and spray what, what's the time is it six to nine six, or se- six to nine yeah six to nine a.m six to nine a.m on 1080 every weekday go check that out that's also available as a podcast part of the odyssey family which I yeah know we're co-workers okay technically we're co-workers <laughs> we're yes. co-workers yeah how about that so uh brandon thanks a lot for doing this man uh sean thank you for inviting me man i i, I know you've been super busy uh i know it's been an hour and my wife is gonna kill me because i'm blocking her workstation but i would love <laughs> to make my wife mad in order to talk hoops for an hour with you thanks for talking non-blazers i love that too because yeah. we're both hoop heads and totally. seriously sincerely mean this as a subscriber Great job. You're killing the beat. And I appreciate the work that you're putting in on the podcast and on the uh, the website. So keep it up, man. And uh, hopefully we can catch up on the our podcast, my radio show, your podcast, whatever it is. And uh, yeah. we can talk soon. Yeah, I'll talk to you soon, man.